0: Welcome to Executive Minds, the podcast helping you convert your potential into high performance so you can grow your career. Here's your host, Kevin B. Jennings. Welcome to Executive Minds, where we help go-getters like you become difference makers with the guidance you need to convert your potential into high performance so you can grow your career. I'm Kevin B. Jennings, and every episode you'll get principles, strategies, and tools from successful, experienced, and emerging leaders who have maximized their potential to launch ideas, lead teams, build businesses, improve communities, and ultimately make a difference in others' lives. Today, we're going to talk to Brett Hagler, the CEO and co-founder of New Story, the innovative nonprofit pioneering technology solutions to end global homelessness now during our conversation brett and i will discuss his journey and explore how he has leveraged the power of thinking differently to stand out attract talent and achieve big goals like 3d printing a community of 114 homes in 100 days right this is a paradigm shifting conversation that you don't want to miss Before we go any further, I want to let you know that Executive Minds is brought to you by the Art of Leadership Network, created by our friend and previous guest, bestselling author Carrie Newhoff. The Art of Leadership Network gathers together world-class leaders and podcasters dedicated to helping you live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. Executive Mind is honored to be one of the podcasts in the Art of Leadership Network. And you can learn more at theartofleadershipnetwork.com. Well, future Difference Makers, you're in for a treat today. In today's episode, you're going to hear from fellow Difference Maker, Brett Hagler. In my opinion, he's one of the top emerging leaders in the country. Uh, Brett is the CEO and co-founder of New Story, an incredible nonprofit that, like Charity Water, challenges the way nonprofits run and challenges the way all leaders think. Uh, Brett reminds you that business as usual is and the status quo are rarely a reflection of what's possible. New Story focuses on creating technology solutions that help put an end to global homelessness. Some of you are familiar with New Story because their work has been heavily covered by the media, specifically when they used 3D printing to pour concrete and build a community of 114 homes in 10 days. Now, Apple TV Plus developed a documentary series called Home, covering New Story's journey of building the world's first 3D printed community. Now, don't worry, we'll link to everything in the show notes. Now, with so much great coverage uh, on New Story, I focused most of my conversation with Brett about his journey and his mindset. I mean, let's be clear, anyone creating a nonprofit. Trying to use technology to end global homelessness and then push the boundaries of construction using 3D printers doesn't think like most people. And so I wanted to dig into how he perpetually pursues what seems impossible. Uh, now, before we jump in, I- I'll also tell you Brett is a Y Combinator graduate. If you don't know, uh, Y Combinator is a tech startup accelerator that helps new companies get off of the ground. In addition to New Story, uh, they are the birthplace of Airbnb, DoorDash, Dropbox, Stripe, Instacart, Reddit. And I could keep going, but you get the point. It's a big deal. Uh, Brett has been recognized on Forbes 30 under 30 list and named one of the top 100 most intriguing entrepreneurs by Goldman Sachs. And news story was among Fast Company's most innovative companies in the world four different times. He's also now a co-founder of Home Team Venture, a venture capital firm closing the housing gap by investing in other early stage founders, bringing breakthrough technology to one of the world's largest but least innovative industries, construction and housing. So after this quick break, prepare yourself to be challenged and enjoy today's conversation with Brett Hagler. Go getters like you and me are always on the lookout for quality podcasts to help us grow in life and leadership. And that's why bestselling author and top podcaster, Carrie Newhoff, has just launched the Art of Leadership Network. The Art of Leadership Network is a new podcast network, and it includes world-class leaders dedicated to teaching you how to live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. On the network, you'll hear from top leaders on culture, entrepreneurship, executive leadership, organizational culture, nonprofit leadership, church trends, influencer strategies, healthy living, and a lot more. The Art of Leadership Network includes podcasts like the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, Win Today with Christopher Cook, H3 Leadership with Brad Lominick, Lead Culture with Jenny Catron, and many more including this podcast, Executive Minds, which features our team here at Mentor, Jeff Henderson of the Four Company, Shane Benson and David Farmer of Chick-fil-A, and me, Kevin B. Jennings. Learn more about the shows and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode at the art Network.com. Hey, Brett. Um, well, first of all, man, thank you again for being here. I would be very transparent. I've had the pleasure of hearing you speak. So I am familiar with New Story. Uh, I had a chance to talk to you on the phone before and, and hear more about New Story and get to see a little bit behind the scenes. And what I want to do right now is just bring everyone up to speed for those who, who may not be as familiar with you, you and the work you're doing. Would you mind just introducing New Story and
1: maybe dig into what the organization does and how it began? So, New Story's mission is to pioneer solutions to end global homelessness. And what that means is that we are uh, working really hard to figure out um, a lot of the root causes of why families can't get access to lower cost housing, why families can't get access to financing or mortgages. And we are working to design solutions um, to offer those opportunities to to our families. And uh, we started in Haiti. Um, we've expanded to El Salvador and Mexico. Um, our demographic, our families making anywhere between like 4 to $12 a day. So we're working with um, you know, uh, that, one of the poorest demographics in the world. And um, and our families don't have any adequate housing. Um, how it came about, problem was I was on a trip to Haiti for a, actually a for-profit startup that I had right out of college. And Um, had no clue about the global homelessness issue, just never knew about it really, and um, got to see firsthand what it was like with uh, kids and families living in tarp tents and dirt floors uh, from the earthquake that happened in 2010. Um, Their homes were destroyed, and they were just basically living out just on dirt floors, and uh, I saw it firsthand, and um, that's what caught my attention, and I tried to go find other organizations that I could get excited about, and I could champion. And when I was doing that, um, I ended up writing a list of all of the frustrations that I had for what I saw. Things like seemingly a lack of transparency, um, a lack of uh, speed, um, a lack of innovation, a lack of technology. I didn't understand to me why um, charities sometimes like almost bragged about how low they paid their staff and those things just never really made that much sense to me. And so I kind of imagined what would it be like to try to refresh and create something that would be um, a different story. And that's how we got started. And that's how you know we named it New Story. And we started in 2015 and wanted to just bring new solutions for families that are living uh, in inadequate housing. And uh, became one of the first nonprofits to get into a program out in Silicon Valley called uh, Y Combinator. And, um, and that's how that's how we got started.
0: Well, uh, well I, I have a lot more questions, as you know, um, but I want to just kind of jump on that Y Combinator thing. I think some of the people who are listening, they may, may, may not be familiar with it, but I would say that for those who are familiar with it, um, this puts – Brett and his entire team at News Store and a very unique group of people. I mean, companies like Dropbox, DoorDash, Airbnb, Stripe, Instacart, Zapier, Reddit, Webflow, Twitch, all kind of came from this this incredible accelerator. And I think that you know we could keep going. If you ever want to go to the website, you're going to scroll and be like, oh my gosh, there's so many companies. And what I actually asked myself, and I'm sure you were asking, um, was what were you doing prior to that? Because I think the average person doesn't say. I'm going to Y Combinator, Yeah, you know? And so, so, so even see, when I first even heard that part of your story, I thought to myself, wow, what was going on in Brett's world prior to that moment that made him say, this is what I'm going to do. So what were you, were you already on track in some way or in another area of life to build an image a a, 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 a for-profit startup? Was that already the path of I'm going into tech? I should know I was going to be doing it this way.
1: Yeah. I love how you question you bring up this question. So I, um, I liked entrepreneurship, and I uh, I co-founded a for-profit e-commerce company right at a school, um, right at college, and um, that actually ended up failing. We we um, ended up giving back most of the money we raised to venture capitalists, and it didn't work. And you know, so when I applied to Y Combinator with my co-founders at New Story, my resume actually was was like nothing. I mean, I went to I didn't go to it, especially compared to the folks that were some of my peers at YC. I mean, these are these are people that uh, I mean, from all, all the top schools, from NASA, SpaceX, Google. I mean, you name it. Their second startup, the first one actually worked. Like I felt so, I've just never felt so out of place before. And um, so I felt very much like an underdog, very much like imposter syndrome. But to your question of how did we get there, I did have startup experience before, and that was a choice that I made to. Go try something that could fail, um, but learn an insane amount in the process. That first startup actually, there would be no news story without the first startup because that's how I ended up taking a trip to Haiti. And it actually, a lot of those investors and in my first startup became our first uh, supporters of a new story. And I was just obsessed with learning, Kevin. Like I just, I would, uh, before applying to YC or even before starting new story, I was watching all of the videos that they put out online. You know, they put out, uh, they they teach a startup class at Stanford and I think literally have some of the best entrepreneurs and best investors of the last decade teaching for free about how they did it. You know, the Airbnb founders talking about how they got their first thousand customers and how, you know, Dropbox talking about the same thing and how DoorDash, you know, started small. And I'm like, this is free. Like I can listen to this. All it takes is intentionality and time. And so that was really my posture. And that's where, you know, starting the, the early, early days of news story and the idea. I mean, I would just go online for free, watch videos, read blogs from these types of entrepreneurs and doers, and so that was where I was coming into applying to White Combinator. And on paper, I—I I mean, was it was a—I had nothing. Like I had nothing. I had a an average school at best. I mean, I went to community college my first year and a half, um, and then I went to Florida State University, graduated average. Like everything, nothing was outstanding, you know. But I think that choosing to do something different. That was, you know, not the normal out of college, which was starting a startup that had a chance to fail. Um, they appreciated that. And then also just how much I was able to learn by simply just the input of time and learning helped me get there. And so I think that's that hopefully encouraging to folks because you, I know you, I used to think this, like you can hear stories about my Combinator and those kind of companies. And it's like, oh my gosh, they must've came from, you know. Google and Facebook and all the top MBAs. And it's like, not really, not really. You know, they just made some different choices and they were obsessed with learning and they were really hungry and determined. So that's, that's our underdog story.
0: I love that. I do. Have, I mean, I'm going to go, I don't see some questions before I'm going to go off for one second. Cause you said something I thought just, I want to just dig into one. You said, yeah, I looked at, looking on paper, you know, my school, my grades, there's nothing outstanding on, on paper. And I want to ask you a question about that because I'm like, but there was still something you felt was outstanding inside of you. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm in, I'll, yeah, I'll say sure. those who have, those who've interacted with you for even five minutes, there is a confidence that exudes from you a, a level of self-assurance. Mm-hmm. And you might say, Kevin, you didn't meet me eight years ago. You didn't know the, you know, fair enough. But I would say when our, our first interaction on a call is like, wow, you know, I said, man, there's something about
1: mm-hmm.
0: Brett's presence in a call that is assuring. Hmm. And so it makes me say to myself, clearly what was on paper wasn't a, it wasn't just, I would say maybe no, not a full reflection because I think no one can have a resume do a full reflection, but it clearly wasn't even accurate. Like they were like, you know, you said, you know yeah. like I'm not trying to say like, you know, you're outstanding and clearly you're not, but yeah, you are. But I'm like, you know, there was something inside of you that said, what's on paper doesn't even match hmm. who I actually am and who I'm capable of you clearly saw it enough to bet on yourself and apply with you and your co-founders. I'm curious, even back then. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what was, was it just, you hadn't yet had the opportunity to reveal or something kind of pull that out of you um, or show that, or do you feel mm-hmm. like, no, I've always thought I, I was good at something outstanding or amazing or, 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 you know, or whatever, just didn't translate it in a school setting.
1: Yeah, no, it's good. It's great, Kevin. I never, and I still don't think that I, um, and it's, I think it's still an insecurity um, for sure. I know I don't ever think of myself as like the most talented or the smartest person in the room, like, like almost never, you know, but I think what I, what I figured out at an earlier age, I figured out, I think two main things. One that like choosing to actually do things differently and against the status quo, and it's a little out there, that's scarce, right? And Mm. there's actually not that many people that do that. And so what seems like is such a risk and such a big stretch, like uh, 99% of people aren't willing to actually do it. And because they get so sucked and pulled, the gravitational pull is into what's normal and what is uh, yeah, basically, what's normal, right? And for whatever reason, I figured out that like, well, my competitive advantage could actually be that I'm just doing, I'm choosing to do things that are that are off of that path, right? That are abnormal, that are different, and knowing that like the worst case scenario, especially in my twenties, is that I just I learn a lot, and from an entrepreneurial perspective, like I can take I can take that story and I can go to somebody else and say like, look. I could have had this like very good like job that everybody else did but I actually went out and did this. And even though it didn't work, this is all that I learned, this is all the people I met, and I just knew that that was going to be there was going to be a return on that, right? So that was the first thing. And the second thing that I figured out was, you know, I always say there's like there's two things that you can really control. Your attitude and your effort, right? and and you can structure your habits and your focus and your discipline around um, around things that you believe in and i just saw i think from an early age like having consistent focused habits that is not you know doesn't require having the highest iq doesn't have require having the fanciest resume like a lot of people that have that i noticed don't have some of these you know, healthier habits or beliefs. And it's very easy for them to get sucked into kind of what's the status quo or what's normal. Um, so I don't know, Kevin, that's a lot of rambling of just to say mm-hmm. like, those were things that I figured out and I figured out that those are different. And then and then that allowed me to start getting some very small wins, you know, under my belt, like very small wins. And uh, I remember just something, random images came to my mind. Like I remember the first time I did public speaking I speak a, a good amount now. The first time I did public speaking was to a very small middle school, a very small Christian middle school chapel. And I was so nervous. I was so scared. I have that first video. I was on a scale of one to 10. I was maybe a two out of 10. Right. But I tried it. I had the confidence. Well, confidence. I actually was so nervous. I didn't have confidence. I just tried it. And I learned and I had the, for whatever reason, the, um, I just want I just kept going, you know, and so I don't know. I just figured it trying things that were different, trying things that somewhat seemingly scared me or that other people weren't willing to do, that was actually my advantage to do those things, and then over time, yeah you you get some wins and you get a little bit of momentum, and you and yeah, your confidence builds right like but that was that was how it got started
0: no that's that's super helpful. um the next question i had I know I shared with you. For the interview was just, you know, that, that idea um, I'm working with an organization right now that is fighting human trafficking. And when I'm talking to the, to the team at the organization, and I feel the same way, even talking to you and Josh and the team at News Story, this issue feels so big that you can understand why most people convince themselves to never fight global homelessness or human trafficking. You're saying like this like there's so many complexities. I was talking to, you know, your team and they're like, oh yeah, you know, well, this is why we do this. And this like there's all these laws that happen and then the standards of the home and based on the country and what like there's so many things that go into what you all do. It's easy to understand why most people don't pick the big issue because it seem almost impossible to solve. But yet here's a person who just said, hey, I didn't see myself as particularly, you know smart smartest person in the room. I kind of, you know, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm willing to try something different. I'm willing to, to have a good attitude and put an effort, but you still went to Haiti and then said, I'll do it. I'll try it. I, I'll, which to me feels like there's this breadcrumb, I think for all of us of what is going through your mind when you raise your hand and say, I will attempt to solve this issue when you, ha- when, when there's so many things, maybe internally, but also just externally they could say, Hey, this, this could be solved. It would have been solved already.
1: Yeah, totally, man. Well, when I we first started out, the goal was definitely not to, you know, in homelessness or it wasn't as big of that. It was really like just trying to, trying to prove that people actually wanted what was in my head and that we could actually build some homes in a community for families in desperate need, you know? So Mm it, it started, you know, while, if you think about it, just from a a business lens um, you know, the problem we're working on that the total addressable market, unfortunately is well over a billion people. Right. And um, what I did in the beginning was I, I like basically shrunk that TAM and said, no, my total addressable market is these 200 families in Haiti that we have land and we can design a beautiful multi-generational community. And like, that's what I wanna focus on first, you know? And we wanna to try to do that well. And, um, and that was really what we thought about in the beginning, you know? And I think um, with some of these big problems, it is so paralyzing and you, you start to, cause the, the TAM is so big, you can get very distracted, you can get very paralyzed. But, you know, what you try to do is like shrink that down, have milestones, and put all of your focus on, um, you know, we ask the question all the time at New Story, what's a picture of success look like for X? It could be for the meeting, it could be for the year, it could be for your personal growth goals, it could be for news Story in 10 years, right? And we're working towards what is our picture of success for X? And, you know, right now, what we're, what we're thinking about is, our picture of success is um, successfully housing a million people before 2030 for less than $1,000 per person housed in Latin America. And that's the focus, you know? And if we're able to do that, then I have a lot of confidence that we'll probably be able to 10x from there. And then if we're able to do that, then we keep growing. So I guess it's a long way of answering your question, Kevin, of start smaller, uh, pick a pick a milestone and put all your focus towards, towards that problem.
0: I love that. Well, I, I, you kind of answered my next question a little bit already. Um, I wanted, I wanted to just kind of say, Hey, you know what, for those who, you know, I I probably already know this now, I've already shared this in the intro and that is, you know, new story 3d printed, you know, a community of homes. Right. And so, so, so for those, I mean, so just, just the, the massive mental, Exercise of of pushing oneself to do that is you know and pushing an organization to do that is hard enough. But I wanted to almost debrief and say, okay, let's deconstruct what was going on within you, the individual, so that we can all walk away and say, maybe you know, maybe that's not your ambition to three D print a community, but there is a reality of as he you, you know as Brad already kind of gave us with, hey, positive attitude. And pick, choosing my attitude, choosing my effort, and then being willing to be something different. Are there other practices, beliefs, tools that you use in that? You know, especially in the earlier, you know, after the early years of just really pushing. That you look at now and say, yeah, that was a that particular choice or behavior, or belief within myself was really critical to giving me the tool what I needed to step into these situations keep moving forward, lead people, and, and also convince others to believe in this vision?
1: Yeah, for sure, Kevin. Um, there's a mantra, I'll give you a few, but one of them is uh, that bold ideas attract bold people, right? Mm, so when I was able to bring you know the first prototype of 3D printing houses to a certain demographic of people that may want to fund it or get behind it, they were interested in talking to me because that's what I was pitching them. Right. I wasn't pitching them. Let's build another 20 houses in El Salvador the same way it's been done for the last 50 years. Right. It's less interesting. Does it, attracts a certain crowd, but bold ideas attract bold people. And so that's always been something that I also figured out at an earlier age, like with the organization, we were raising funding, you know, in the beginning as we're attracting, um, you know, team members that want to come work for us. If you can't articulate a, a bolder, challenging goal um, or idea, it's going to be really hard to get those kind of resources that actually give you a chance to have an outsized impact, right? And so that was something that just can, it continues to play to play true, right? Even like, and you have to constantly like get to that next level of what is actually a bold idea because it is very, and i'm noticing now new story 6 years in and i'm feeling the pull towards doing stuff that you know can be easier or doing stuff that is it is going to you know get pushback back or there's not going to be inertia or team members or somebody on the outside isn't going to question or push back against like oh my gosh it is so easy to just like not go into that stuff but that is where that is whenever you're going to try to do something that has a chance of having a really big outcome, almost always there's going to be some type of questioning or pushback. And, and I think that's, that's usually, and this is where it's really hard in leadership because you have to, you have to balance, you have to make a decision of, okay, is this actually too much? And is this just silly and the wrong thing? Or is this something that, We actually really want to try and so so yeah bold ideas attract bold people and um i don't know the other one is really lame but um i I think there's just as i've seen now there is so much return in having healthy productive consistent habits day after day week after week year after year you know And we're just I'm really starting to see that. And uh, it's hard. It may be in the first year to see it or even in the second year. But if you keep going day after day after day with uh, kind of the, the, the right habits and healthy routines, it really compounds. And so starting to see some of that now.
0: That's so powerful. Um, I, I had a mentor who gave me the book, The Compound Effect
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, a, a couple of years ago. And, you know, I'll be transparent, say that's, a, that's a challenge for me on a personal level. I, I like the rush of the variety, you know, and and so I, I have to, I've had to dig deeper to, to really connect to the fact that that is how it really goes, right? It's not, I'm a sprinter by nature. You know, I'd rather you drop me in a place and say like, we're going to work n- nonstop, 24 hours a day for four weeks and we're going to take four weeks off I'm like i'm in you know it's, it's like it's, it's just my mindset but working i was like that's yeah. not that's not that doesn't get me what i want mm-hmm. uh so so it's definitely been an almost mm-hmm. an unlearning to to be able to, to understand that that's powerful so what i want to do is ask you a couple more questions in that in that debrief yeah. brief mindset and yeah. that is a couple of decisions you might have made as the leader or even within with even within yourself as a person that at the time you questioned and, and then you look, now you look back and say, we, I nailed that decision. We nailed that decision. I questioned it, but we, I'm, so, I'm so glad we made that call. And then maybe what is kind of the macro lesson from something that you've kind of taken away from some of those decisions that you questioned, but now look back and say, we could not have done it better than we did in mm-hmm. that moment? Like, even what we knew, we just nailed it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um. I think I'm most proud of decisions that we've made where we have we have chosen to do something that is harder, and we we had a we basically had an easier choice and a harder choice. It's so easy to pick the easier one, and sometimes you should, given just how much else is going on in the organization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm really proud of the, the times that we say no, we want to try the harder one, and we know there's a chance that. It's not going to work, and we've had some things that really haven't worked. But I'm, but I'm, I'm proud when we give ourselves the chance of working on something that, if it works, can actually bring like an outsized return, right? And that for your business, if you're listening, that could be you know number of new customers or new. Uh, I don't know. I'm just making this up, but if if you're giving a keynote or a talk and you decide to like be a little riskier and try something that is very different and might fall flat, it might fall flat or it might get millions of views, right? And it's so easy to get pulled into the middle of that, right? And to think like, let's try the, the more conservative, the safer thing, the thing that's a little bit more vanilla. And um, I don't know, Kevin, I just see like, it's really hard to break out when those are the things that those are the that's the way that you are making decisions. And we've made, I think, some of them in hindsight that that were definitely too vanilla. Mm. So yeah, that's what comes to mind is like being proud of giving ourselves a chance mm. of something really working and really making an impact, or really getting the attention that we want.
0: So perfect. That's great. Uh, so back in 2015, I went to see my first executive coach with David, Jeff, and Shane, uh, the other co-founders of of what we do here. And they kind of invite me to join them for their be with their executive coach. And one of the things they talked about was like making sure we stop often enough to ask ourselves, "What would you do differently?" And it's not right not to not to fill it with regret, but to say, "We're gonna mine the lessons faster." If we're the ones pausing, asking that question periodically. So I'd love to ask you that now, when you look back at the journey, know what you know now. What's something you would have done differently? So necessarily, not saying regret, just, hey, yeah, if I could have done that differently with how I was managing my life, when I was building new story, or just how I would have built or led the organization, here's something I would have done differently in hindsight.
1: Yeah, just something that we're trying to overcorrect for now and i am really excited about it especially as we're heading into the next year i got sucked down into what is normal for how you think about pay and benefits for mm-hmm. our sector and now i'm like on a i'm on a mission to like really really challenge that mm-hmm. and i wish i would have done it earlier because i think it I think we missed out on probably some really great people that could have given us the chance to have some of these bigger <laughs> returns, but we chose to, or I, I mean, I chose to, uh, as a leader, like to to play it down a little bit more what's expected, what's normal, not going to raise any eyebrows. Like, and, and I regret that, but I've, I've learned from it. And, uh, and now I'm, I'm very passionate about, really challenging that and trying to raise the standard trying to raise the bar and being unashamed about that being unashamed and you know if we're, if we're funded by donors or foundations like being unashamed and this is what we think we think that to ultimately have the greatest impact and to impact the most people and to have something that could really scale from my, my opinion is you need to have extraordinary talent And that means probably different pay, different benefits. Uh, It's going to look a little different than what you've seen in the past, right? Of course, there's a limit and like, you know, you don't have equity and people don't want to come here and become multimillionaires. But that's something today that I'm really excited about because I believe with all my heart that the way to get the most impact is to have extraordinary talent and people on your team. So if I believe that, then I get to, you know, I get to, well, it's not just me, it's others, of course, and our board and our exec team. Um, sure. we, get, we get to think through, okay, if we know, if we really believe that's the most, that's the thing that's going to help us create the most impact and the most scale, then how do we reverse engineer what that looks like, right? And it probably can't happen overnight, and there's a process to it, but that's what we're working on now, and, and I wish we would have done that a lot earlier.
0: I love that. There's a lot of good stuff in that for all of us to so, say, you know, like that the decisions we make are, are the some of the decisions we, need, we, we might end up regretting or wanting to change the most are the ones where we didn't really make the decision. Like you were inheriting a cultural perspective on paying employees at a nonprofit. And so like, you know, so almost, almost to be fair, transparent, it almost wasn't a decision. Was like, this is what people do. These are the rules, quote unquote, right? It's like the minute I just kind of ad- adhere to the rules to quote unquote follow, and without me challenging them, even if I still agreed with them, I might have still settled on that at the moment. But to challenge that notion as opposed to accepting it as the truth would have been maybe yeah. a
1: powerful idea. That's that's great. That's right. Yeah, to challenge it and to um, and and not to have it be like it doesn't have to be for everybody. Right. It doesn't have to be, it's not saying other, every other nonprofit should be like this. It's not saying every funder should believe in this, but it's saying like, this is what we believe. And this is mm-hmm. what we're like unashamedly going to do. And um, if you want to get on board with that, awesome. You know? And if not, there's a lot of other amazing organizations and we're not for you, you know? And I, there was a, there was a story, um, so I'm going to give a super quick story. I was listening to a, a, a Dabo Sweeney podcast, the um, coach of Clemson. He was talking about how, oh gosh, I'm not going to say it perfectly, but he was talking about how they, uh, during recruiting, there's like a season where or there's a time in recruiting where basically kids are allowed, recruits are allowed to fly in if they can, they'd like have to pay their own way or something like that but it requires like more staff time where it's pulling away from the family and all this stuff and and Clemson what what Debo did was they said uh we're actually going to take that that time off and like we're not going to host any recruits and all the coaches at first were like what are you talking about like this is when Alabama, Georgia like everybody's doing it and was like nope, we want to be more selective. We want it to be if we're going to make you an offer to come here, like, we want you to be really serious. And we also have a value around family. And that means that for our coaches and our spouse and their families, this is a time where, you know, they can take, you know, a month or two off from from just like hosting recruits. And so then I probably didn't say it the right way. But it's just like, this idea of if you believe in it, and it's not what everybody else is doing, but you believe in it, like, Just, just do it. Like you're going to get so much more benefit from it. And, um, and you're probably going to get, people are going to question it in the beginning, but later on, they're either going to copy you or they're going to be like, okay, got it. (laughs) That makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure, you're attracting people to a point of view, to your values, and when you live them out, you bring people there. So when you want to attract the brightest minds and the most talented, hardworking people to solve some of the world's most challenging problems, they want to see that that's valued. And and there's a lot of ways to communicate that. Obviously, conversation being one of them. But we're going to demonstrate yeah. that we really believe that in everything we do, not just some things we do. So. You probably get more invitations to coffee and things than, you know, than a lot of people. And, and there's a reality people want to pick your brain. And I think there are probably some things you want to make sure people walk away with. Um, so mm-hmm. there's something you want people to know, something you want to reinforce or maybe even encourage people on their journey. Because to to leverage their potential to make a difference or leverage their potential to help an organization increase its performance. What's something you want to make sure everybody understands and, and, and gets from you today?
1: Yeah, I would say, which I've talked about a lot, is that um, if there's something on your heart or your mind that you really want to try, it doesn't have to be starting your own company, right? It could be switching careers, it could be going back to school, it could be trying, whatever, whatever that is, Like, just know that almost everybody pretty much says no to that, right? Because they have a story in their head that... This is not what I'm supposed to do. How is it going to look? What if I fail? And um, and I think that's just such a loss, and it's really sad because it's it's really just a mindset and it's a choice to to go out and actually try it. And and I would just encourage people by saying, just making that choice of doing something differently that is scarce, that is unique, and it's going to give you a story that's actually different, right? And, and that is the good news is that's something that anybody can do. So I would just encourage you to, to lean into that and to do it. The second thing I would say is uh, you've, I, it's hard for me to find a leader that, I you know, Kevin, you feel the same way, that just doesn't love learning, you know, and is just a learning machine. I think as I get around more more leaders and uh, more folks that I really like up to, I'm like, how did they go from like just – 20 employees to 2000 and to this and to that. And it's like, they just, they love learning, you know, they love learning and they, they have a mentality that they can, they can learn and they can recruit people around them and they can keep going. So I would say fall in love if you're not already, like there's so much value in just learning. Um, and you can do that through, like podcasts, like you're listening to now, books, learning from others, showing up places. Like if you do that consistently, it is going to differentiate you. And it is gonna, it is gonna stand out because, Kevin, we both know folks that once they graduate college, they stop learning. <laughs> you know, they they stop being really intentional about it, and um, and I just think that from in my story, that has been um, you know, one of the main things that's that's given me some, some knowledge and a little bit of wisdom at a young age. And it's simply because I just put in time to learn and I, and I loved it. Yeah. And then the last thing would be probably to um, this is going to sound really, really cliche. So I'll just put it out there, but this is, I also heard a football coach say this and I just really believe in it before you can be an overachiever. You have to be an overbeliever, which is very, very cheesy, but I do think there's a lot of truth in that. That Mm -hmm. like actually believing that you can do it again is scarce because so many people don't believe they can or don't believe something can happen. And the ones that actually believe it can and give it a shot. Those are the ones that make everything happen. So. Uh,
0: First of all, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. If, If, you know, if you're listening to that and, you know, and you do resonate with maybe the, Hesitation to embrace it because it sounds cheesy. I would probably say that's because you haven't yet given yourself a challenge that really will will put your ego and your belief about yourself to the test. Because when you finally do something that that really makes you stretch, um, yeah. and and I, I mean, it, you 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 will qu- the most successful people will question themselves. Amen. Um, yeah, you know, totally. and, and and I'll be transparent for everybody listening. For me. Getting married and having kids really challenged me, Mm -hmm. and 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 this and like, well, I thought you but you also say you fulfilled because you found your soulmate and you had children. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur when I was fifteen years old, working at Chuck E. Cheese. Like I knew, I knew I was willing to work myself silly to achieve and try things I believed in, but to do that while sacrificing selflessly. In a, my personal life was hard, and you know, and for those who don't know, I had a mentor say with me: the reason so many high achievers struggle in their marriage or interpersonal in relationships is because there's no scoreboard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we, so 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 we finally have one place in our life where like it matters a ton, but we have no idea how well we're doing. It, 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 it's like there's nothing, Dang. there's nothing there that says you mm-hmm. killed it as a dad today way to go like there's nothing yeah. and the things that resonate so for me it was like testing all these things of like kevin you like measurable results you want to do this you want to be affirmed for your results you want to be celebrated as an achiever all these things like hey it's not fair and yeah. and you know and, and depending on your background if you know i came from a, a, a broken home and so this is like i don't know if i have the tools i don't know what this looks like. I don't have this preset things. I'm just going to go to my tool bag of how to do this. Well, and, and I just say like, it's not always in your career that's going to happen, but when you really stretch in some area professionally or personally, eventually you're going to come up against of this reality, like how hard it is to truly be an overbeliever. Mm. Yeah. And so I just want to put that yeah. out there. The other thing I want to say, I had a friend of mine, the two buddies of mine that led an organization that was growing crazy fast. And they were trying to hire quick and they, but they knew learning because they were growing so fast. Learning was one of the most critical skills they need every new hire to have. Just a willingness to learn and figure it out. Love that. And so what they did was they would drop, they would drop a breadcrumb in a, so let's so you go in for an interview. They'd say, you know, one of the books, this reminds me of a really great book we've read around here that's really changed us. And they would just say it in passing. Then they would intentionally book the interview, the next interview two weeks from that day. They said every hire there was a was a surefire hire and killed it, heard the book as a breadcrumb in the interview passively, bought the book oh, on their own, dude, read it. That is so
1: good. I'm sure that and had read it before the next interview. You, you can't go wrong. It, it, yeah. It's like and, and the best part about that, Kevin, is like that's literally a choice that anybody listening yes. could do. Like, yes. it doesn't require, it does, does it require money? It doesn't require all this stuff. It's just like, it's an intentional choice. And it's such a game changer. Dude, when they told me that, I thought to myself, I'll be honest,
0: The a tension where I'm where trying to do that, right? And the tension as the person who needs the position filled is to yeah. break the rule. Sure. Totally. Because you're like, I need this person. The person's qualified on paper. They've done this before. Hey, Kevin, everybody may not want to be a learner like this. That's not a fair. Said like, but they said we we every time we did it for that person, we batted a thousand. So, 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 so at that point, they were like, Gosh,
1: it's so good. If the person
0: doesn't do it, they don't even hire them. Dang. Because they're like, they're because like, like the right person would have heard that that book impacted the organization, remembered it, bought it, and read it before the next interview. And it's crazy. And, and then you saying, have a so, whole
1: you have a whole team of people that think like that.
0: Exactly. And and and, and that's was the, the the kind of the X factor for them. And so I and I and I'm not trying to say to brag. It just actually happened. I had an interview where I wouldn't work for a for a tech company right out of college. And they told me, hey, we are, you know, we were really permission marketing, like permission marketing. So I Google, oh so Seth Golden Book bought the Seth Golden book right for my interview, and they're like, Oh, you read the book. And I, I wasn't trying, I was, I wasn't trying to be totally. But, and, and, and I think it's a point by not telling them to read the book as an assignment, it reveals who they actually are. Right. Like, no. And so, and so, yeah, I just couldn't coast on that idea enough. Okay. And I want to share with you. Cause I was like, that's I so resonate, good. I resonate with the reality of I need someone who wants to figure it out and learn. And I can't, I can't inject that spirit.
1: That's right. And so, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a um, last thing is uh, I remember Jim Collins or Patrick, I think Jim Collins was talking about, you know, getting people on the bus, which is uh, pretty much exactly what you just described. And what he said was the best people that you can get, they, you don't have to motivate them because they're already self-motivated, right? <laughs> because mm-hmm. like, you don't have to tell them, Hey, had this, had this book done by X State. I mean, sure. Sometimes you're going to read stuff together as a team and like, of course, mm-hmm. like you could recommend stuff, but like, but man, like getting people that you don't have to motivate because they are so intrinsically self-motivated. They can't help themselves, but to do stuff like that, that's the dream.
0: It is. It is. And, and so for those who are, who are like, I wish I knew my motivations. There's a great book called motivation code by Todd Henry. You should get it. It has an assessment that was done by these researchers to help you actually figure out your motivations. I took an assessment once upon a time from Tony Robbins that that, that did something very similar to help help you put put language on it. So if you're struggling to understand, hey, why was I so motivated in that one situation and not motivated in this other one? um, I would definitely recommend getting the motivation code to give yourself an understanding because out of fairness to you, if if altruism is not what motivates you, right? You might think I can't work at a nonprofit. Now, once again, I don't, I wouldn't say you, just, you can still work a new story if you're awesome, because there's because new story obviously is running themselves in a way where it's ambitious, there's goal driven, like there's so many other things you can pull from to keep yourself motivated if that's your thing. But I would just tell you like that that's really critical, that it's at some point you have to understand what's driving you and then how to bring that into situations so you can orchestrate your own conditions for success. But, well, Brett, I want to let you uh, go, man. I just want to ask you before everybody go. How can you connect with you? How can they connect with New Story if they want to get involved? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, new Story, we're actually hiring a lot over the next six months. So you can go to our website and check out our careers page. Uh, I'm online on Twitter, uh, mainly at um, my handle, which is just my name, Brett Hagler. So you can reach out there. And uh, and yeah, we'd love to, to, to connect with you if you're interested in getting involved or uh, if you want to apply for one of our roles. So Kevin, it's great to um, connect with you, man. Um, you're, you're an inspiring guy and uh, you definitely sharpen people. So thanks for your time.
0: Oh, man, it's an honor uh, to have you on the podcast. I talked to David Farmer just the other day about you. And we were both just talking about how, um, how inspiring it is to, to connect with you and the team and individuals that have just decided, hey, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll step into that part because, once again, it's, it's, uncertainty is the only guarantee when you step into things you've never done before. And Amen. really a lot for a lot of us is about for those who are, who, who want to be high achievers, who want to, who want to, you know, make a difference with their skills and abilities over time. Some of it is you trying to master how you respond to uncertainty. Totally. It, and it's like, Hey, can I just, I may not be able to master what happens, but can I master how I navigate uncertainty? Because that's pretty much my only guarantee for everything I want to do. And, and making that become one of your strengths is, hey, I can handle uncertainty more better than most people. Therefore, I'm able to accomplish more than most people Amen. over and over and over again. But uh, Brett, thank you again, my friend. I know you got a lot on your plate and I appreciate the time.
1: Oh, thanks, brother. Thanks for your time. All right, take care.
0: I want to thank Brett again for his time, transparency, and generosity. I got a lot from our conversation. Uh, My biggest takeaway was the power of doing things differently. Now, on this podcast, we work to bring you best practices, the tips, tools, habits, and beliefs people are not often telling you that are making them successful, The secrets used to build successful careers and meaningful lives. Consequently, there are times when we want to get a recipe for everything. We want the tried and true path to produce X results. I I see this with my clients, my friends, and myself. What I appreciated from Brett was him acknowledging there's a time to dig in to the tried and true habits that produce results. I mean, doing things like getting great sleep, journaling to process your thoughts, uh, working out regularly and eating well. However, everything else should be challenged. I mean, you don't need to assume that the way things have been done is the way they should continue to be done. I mean, you can even challenge how you do the tried and true habits to make improvements there as well. I mean, let's be honest here. We all thought the best practices for building a house were one way until news story comes along and 3D prints 114 houses in 100 days. So I want to encourage you to hold what's tried and true on one hand. And then on the other hand, hold on to the idea that you don't have to do things the way they've always been done. As my former boss, Reggie Joyner, would often say, everything is not a problem to be solved. Some things are a tension to be managed. I believe you and every future Difference Maker listening to this podcast are smart enough, and discerning enough to figure out how to navigate that tension, to hold it and manage it versus trying to solve it. Now, if you want to learn more about Brett and news Story and even possibly get involved by donating to End Global Homelessness, you'll find links to connect with him and the organization along with a summary of this episode by visiting executiveminds.co forward slash 202. That's executiveminds.co forward slash two zero two. And with that, I want to say thank you for joining us for another episode of Executive Minds, where we help go getters like you become difference makers with the guidance you need to convert your potential into high performance so you can grow your career. If you have enjoyed it, please subscribe. Subscribing automatically delivers episodes to you every week so you can keep growing on the go. Uh, You can find Executive Minds on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Also, please help us spread the word and support more ambitious professionals and leaders like you by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Then join us for our upcoming episodes when we'll continue celebrating our return by releasing two more episodes over the next seven days. We'll be revisiting a conversation I had with uh, a co-mentor on our team, David Farmer, about how to create your own professional development plan, then we'll be sharing an all-new episode featuring Courtney Durandi, the recently appointed managing partner of TDT CPAs and Advisors, a soon-to-be 50-year-old accounting and financial management firm in Iowa. We'll specifically be digging into her journey of starting at the firm right out of college and working her way to the top of the organization Courtney's going to help us learn how we can channel an entrepreneurial spirit to be a successful entrepreneur. Now, until next time, remember, organizations are just groups of people with a shared purpose. That means your organization grows when you grow. So today, grow where you are and grow what you're given without anyone's permission, because growth is a choice. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Executive Minds, the podcast helping you convert your potential into high performance so you can grow your career. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us for the next episode. For show notes and more resources, visit executiveminds.co. That's
1: executiveminds.co. The Art of Leadership Network.